Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction here on Fightful.com. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by the great-looking Joel Holford. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the Marine again. Why did I get the Marine I should again? Have, I should have used the Marine bit again. I was trying to come up with something else, and then I was just staring at your hair, and I'm just like, you have some great-looking hair. So <laughs> that's yeah. where great-looking comes from. No no one is paying for my haircuts. My hair is going to continue <laughs> to grow. I'm going full, like... AJ Styles, when he made it to, to New York, and he was like, no more haircuts. Like, he was just going, that's where I'm at. A little bit bigger than AJ, but that's fine. This is upper body business. Um, and yes, so I am, I'm here. I'm not the Marine anymore. I'm the great looking Joe Holbert, which I may make my Twitter name for the evening. And I am excited to discuss professional wrestling as always. We have so many topics, don't we, Jeremy? What we, we, just... we just spent uh, the, the production meeting lasted about two hours because we had so many topics. We had to cut them from the show. Yes. And then we finally decided on on six topics for this show. So these were the best six we had to come up with, ladies. You can imagine what was met, what was left on the cutting room floor if these were the best six we have. Yeah, so many, just so many tough discussions about you know should we discuss should we discuss you know Marco Stunt taking bumps against MJF? Did he give him too much in the match, Jeremy? We did, we nearly left that one. You know that one <laughs> fell off the uh, off the format, but we've got six and we're sticking to it. Uh, everyone can follow along with the show trending worldwide right now. Hashtag the distraction right there in the corner. Uh, check out fightful.com. We're going to have live coverage of AEW double or nothing this weekend. Um, Joseph will have his new feature drops tomorrow at 7 a.m. By the time you listen to this, it's less than 12 hours away. Everyone, set your alarm to, to wake up early to read Joe's feature. Can we spoil who this is about, or are you just going to leave it for uh, for tomorrow morning? Um, yes, you can you can spoil it. Go for it, Jeremy. I okay. feel free, man. It, it is about uh, AEW title challenger Brody Lee. Is who I, I just assume you left it to me because you completely forgot who you wrote about, and so... <laughs> I may have. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I, by the time I threw it back to you, I knew. But initially, that was a suggestion of Chris. Chris Stubbington on Twitter, who's a, who's a good brother, always, you know, sports and stuff. Yes. I said I wanted suggestions, right? And he said, you know, he's found it interesting for some reason or another, the dialogue we've had about, about Brody. And he wanted it as a feature. So I thought it was a good idea. So I did that. Um, I did not charge him uh, any money. I want to make it clear. Uh, but once again, I will accept offers of cash if you indeed have a suggestion that is a little bit harder for me to write and remember, because clearly this one was tough enough as it was, right? And Chris, if you're listening and you want to read this column early, you can you can offer me cash, and I will gladly give you the free preview of the column. But it's not free. Well, You'll have to pay me. Well, the distraction wars <laughs> rage on. Oh, that's amazing. Um, it is, it's been a rough week, Joseph, a very rough week, starting with Monday, Monday morning, before we get into 
all the the wrestling topics and, and whatnot. Uh, I'm just gonna kind of recap the, this entire week. Being in news sometimes sucks because you have to write about the most unfortunate things in the world. Monday morning, it was reported that Chad Gaspard uh, was missing in Venice Beach after getting pulled under by a riptide um and he instructed lifeguards to to save his son first his 10 year old son fortunately they did which which is great news but unfortunately um chad got pulled under it was confirmed on wednesday they they found his body it confirmed it was him so chad had passed away sometime sunday night to, to wednesday morning um so that, that was a tough one this week. Another tough one for just the wrestling community in general was uh, my friend Larry Zonka, who, who passed away Monday. Like, literally right after I finished the Shad, the Shad story, uh, I saw the news on Twitter that Larry had passed away. And just a tough thing to deal with on Monday under, under any normal circumstances. But just back-to-back like that, I was checked out completely on Monday. Uh, Larry was a really good friend of mine, a really influential person just in the wrestling community. It's been nice to see everybody come together this past week and just share their memories of Larry and whatnot. If you want, um, we did a three-hour Larry Zonka tribute podcast yesterday. That's up on a 411 Mania right now. Um, Sean Rossap from Fightful did appear. Uh, Rich Krejci from Voices of Wrestling, a lot of people from the the 411 community, Ethan Page, Impact Tag Team Champion Ethan Page popped on to share some memories. So it was a it was a good reflection uh, to deal with. But yeah, we've lost Shad and Larry this past week. Uh, Joseph, any memories of of either man? Well, I didn't know Larry, but I would you know I sent to you recently. I don't know if this on air, but I was getting into uh, MLW recently, and I was starting from ground zero. And just it speaks to what I thought of his reviews that I did not watch one of those episodes without then going and checking his right up on it. You know, like he was, I saw a lot of people saying he was someone you check your opinion against, yeah. and that was that was the truth. I've, it's actually insane, probably how many of his reviews I've read. He was so prolific with the amount of content he produced, and that was like, you know, I didn't get to know him, but that was just yeah, that was heartbreaking. And the Shad thing, I missed. I have very little. Um, you know, I didn't see a lot of crime time. I've missed a lot of that stuff, but just on a human level, that was um, the details of that story were crushing. And you know, it seems like a, a wonderful person helped a lot of people. A lot of great stories about him this week. It's just, it just, yeah, terrible news, one after the other, as you say. And it's, um, it's hard sometimes these things, right? Like it's, it's hard to be positive when that stuff is your feed is just about a terrible tragedy that no one deserves it's just it sucks that's all you can say about it really but yeah r.i.p to both obviously yeah both um from the stories that i know from the stories that i've read like you don't find many people who said a bad word about either of them like all the all the stories about shad were very just positive and heartwarming i mean the guy instructed the lifeguards like no save my son first like he you know he he prevented a robbery uh, i think in like 2016 like Everyone seemed to have a nice word to say about Shad. Everyone seems to have nice words to say about Larry. And I think that just speaks to the character of, of both men. And it really sucks. It, it's been a it's been a tough week um, dealing with that. And that's going to lead us to our first topic. What a terrible transition this is. But this is the uh, transition here. Our first topic is going to be, it's it's been this kind of week. The Own Heart uh, Dark Side of the Ring documentary aired on Tuesday at this point, we, we know the story of Owen uh, falling at Over the Edge 99. There, there's not a lot to sort of rehash there, but I wanted to kind of review and talk about the, the actual documentary, and I'm sure we'll hit on some other topics in this portion. But as far as the actual documentary goes, what did you think of how they presented the story, Joe? I, I thought I did a good job. I just I was left thinking it was a two-part uh, subject yeah you know I, I think any any of these stories can be a two-part subject and i understand it's difficult it's constraints you want to tell as many stories as you can but this one you know it didn't follow the the typical pattern and i, I don't mean to kind of denigrate any of the other stories as being this but often these episodes are you know the first third of it will be who they were as a performer and then the second third will be kind of um their downfall with whatever their you know issues were um, and then you conclude the story. But with Owen, this isn't a guy who, you know, fell into the pitfalls of fame, right? This is an a, a truly um, one-off 
incident that is like incomparable almost. You know what I'm saying? So it's very difficult to tell that story when you want to celebrate his career at one point, but then you have to actually do it like a, a true crime scene style breakdown of that day and what happened, why he was there, what happened when he, you know, it's just very difficult. And then you have to do the aftermath too. So to me, it was, it was a two part uh, deal. They did a good job of it. For me as someone that knows that like a, a decent amount about the story, I'm not going to say I'm like an expert on it, but I did find it interesting to see like, there seemed to be people legitimately surprised that there was neglect and stuff involved in this. Does that make, I, I don't know if that's just my timeline and my feed, but there seems to be people that were surprised that this wasn't just like a freak deal. This was an actual, uh, the result of genuine um, bad planning, bad practice. And people seemed surprised. And, you know, you saw people get angry at WWE, which I understand. I totally get. But I just thought that was more well-known, I guess, was my main takeaway. Um, I don't know how many people... I did see a lot of people uh, saying, like, yeah, there was neglect. I think the biggest thing is, like... You can hear Martha. Martha hasn't done like a ton of interviews in the, yeah. in the decade, two decades since it's happened. Um, she, you know, she did a she did a bunch of media blitzes th- this past week to help promote the show. But you can hear her talk about like, yeah, there was neglect. You can go back and and look at the the case files or read up on the case and stuff like that. I think the 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 part that really hit with a lot of people is when she's holding this clip. Like she, she yeah. has the clip and she's like, this is what held my husband. And she shows this is how easy it is for this thing to just release. And she's like, you know, it takes six pounds of pressure. Own is a 200 pound man. And she just easily does a clip re- release. And it's like, wait, they, they really thought this is what was going to, to work yeah. here. And I think that's when people, it really hit for people like, yeah, the, somebody really screwed up here. This was not some type of freak accident type deal. Well, in these, the, the strange thing about it is in history, too often these events and these insane happenings, they're just like it's part of the timeline. And that is not, that ain't fair to the people involved, you know? And that's what's good about this documentary series. It humanizes those involved. Like, the idea that we've just become like almost, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be, like, it's very difficult to kind of dwell on these things, but the fact that like the Owen incident is just a part of wrestling is absurd. And I'm glad that they humanized the whole family and really kind of tapped into like, this is a real happening. You know, this isn't just one other oh, crazy thing happening in wrestling. Now, this didn't have to happen. It never should have happened. I mean, I agree with the, the idea that he should have never been there in the first place, but that's, you know, that's more of a wrestling complaint. That's not really relevant in this kind of, um, situation, but I think they've done a great job throughout the whole series of humanising those involved, and that was particularly the case here with Martha and the kids too, right? I think that helped kind of paint the full picture a little bit better. Yeah, hearing the kids talk because I don't know if they've done any type of interviews mm. over over the last two decades, and like the police photos were tough. Like hearing Martha say like I had to go back to the arena, like she went up into the rafters to see like all of that with uh, OG. And like, yeah. imagine bringing bringing the son. I don't remember how old he was at the time. I think he was like eight or nine because he's only like twenty eight now, so he couldn't have been that old. Like bringing him up there, and like he's looking down and seeing like, oh my god, my dad fell from like this height. Like that, hearing that stuff was was really really tough. Um, I, I thought overall the the documentary was very good. I'm with you. It should have been at least two parts. I. Like you said, you can say that about a lot of this stuff. And I think we've become spoiled nowadays with docu-series yeah. of like, you know, we we both just watched The Last Dance. Like that was a 10-part documentary. That probably could have been eight parts, but they still gave us like 10. <laughs> like it seems like nowadays most of, most of these docu-series are like four, five, six episodes. So when you only get one 40-minute episode, it feels like you're leaving a lot on the bone there. It could have been more. I thought overall it was very good. I I'll have the same kind of quote-unquote complaint I had with the the Crispin Waugh stuff of, and I understand, again, why they can't do it. It's just me wanting to hear both sides. I wish there was a WWE side. I get why they yeah. couldn't do it. I, I'm, I don't think WWE comes out any better if they tell their side of the story. In fact, I think it makes Martha and everybody look better because we saw the one Vince McMahon clip where he's, like, yelling at this reporter, uh 
you know, accusing him of, of being negligent and everything. And like that didn't make him look good. I can only imagine if you put Jerry McDivitt on this documentary, how bad he would make everything seem. Uh, but I would have liked to, to just seen the WWE perspective. Yeah, I agree. And also Brett, right? It would yes. have been interesting to get yes. Brett because he's a very interesting part of this because I, I think, you know, anyone that knows wrestling and stuff, like, I don't think they blame Moff for pulling the two kids away from the Hart family, right? It's a pretty wild family and the stories of what happened in that case, you get it. But Brett is like a weird middle ground because he wasn't in that picture or that one. Does that make sense? He was on her side and then there was a fall in that. So he would have been ideal. Um, it seems that like any mention of Vince Russo was purposely just removed, which I don't know what that tells you, but it's it was it was interesting to see them just say creative because I did sense that it was going to turn into a whole another. I'm glad it didn't turn into that because yeah. this was actually a matter of life and death. You know, I didn't want it another deal of like Russo and Cornette shouting at each other from talking head spots, basically. Yeah, I don't know who made that call. There was obviously the subtweet of uh, Jim Cornette being like this guy's a great professional wrestler and you want to stick him under this mask and stuff. It was clearly yeah. directed at Russo and whatnot. It, I'm glad that it didn't turn. It wasn't about them. It didn't need yes. to be about them. They did have some of a WWE perspective because Jim Ross, they had Jim Ross. Um, they had the official, I guess it was Corderas was the, was the official. Um, yep. so, so they had those two, which was good since they were there live doing it. I, I still would have just like a WWE defender, I guess just to have the the other perspective, uh, but again, yeah, I, because I mean Jim Ross now, like I don't listen to a ton of his podcasts, but it's pretty evident that he's been out of the system long enough that he's just like he doesn't care at all. Yeah, he? he's not going to sit there and defend anything. Like I mean, his exact words were when he was talking about the gimmick and stuff. He said it was an embarrassment they couldn't find something better. He said the Kevin Dunn part of it um, that he told was, I mean that that was just bad in every which way right that that was one of the i think the two moments incredibly profound moments from this were i was saying that he doesn't want his dad in the hall of fame was the yes. obvious one right and that was on a human level was the most like to me impactful but man the jim ross story about kevin dunn was just it filled my timeline and it was just terrible it made you feel so bad for him but i guess as you say we didn't get another perspective on that so we'll never know I mean, I can only imagine what Kevin Dunn yeah. would actually say to defend himself. But, know, yeah. yeah, he was trending on Twitter after that uh, because I think that, like you said, the Oge saying he doesn't want Owen in the Hall of Fame, the the clip part, and then the Kevin Dunn part, I think were the three biggest kind of like takeaways yeah. from from the from the whole documentary. Oh, I agree. It was. I'm with you totally, man. It was good. It just it's very difficult when you. When you enter it without where we're at on it, it's, you just kind of want a little bit more. But they, they've done a great job for it, I think. Uh, let's keep it as somber, I guess sort of somber, because that's going to be our mood today. <laughs> uh, Drew Gulak was released on – or not released, sorry. Drew Gulak's contract expired uh, Saturday night. He did not re-sign with the company. And he had just wrestled the night before in the Intercontinental title tournament. And now he he's referred to as uh, as Daniel Bryan's just training partner, I think, by by WWE. That's now who he is in history. Uh, Joe, Drew Gulak is gone. I am. Um, this stunned me for a range of reasons. One being the fact that he did just have like a very competitive television match on the supposed A show with Daniel Bryan, one of the biggest stars in the whole industry. It's a bit surprising, but. I've said this to you from the start. I don't like seeing guys lose their job. It, it helps me to know that he basically didn't like the offer and said, okay, I'm cool for now. Because I have been of the belief for a long time that just generally speaking, WWE has more than enough talent. And the more great talent spread around the industry, for me as a fan, I can only speak for myself, as someone that still likes to watch it as a fan and consume it, it's better. You know, like, There's a lot of places I'd like to see a Gulak. And if he was happy to kind of bet on himself at this time, it's a lot easier for me to share that opinion than when those guys just got cut, like in an hour's time, you know? So I'm, you know, I'm interested what he does. He may go back, of course. And if he does, that's fine too. He was doing good stuff there. So good for him on backing himself. It's, it's a weird time though, because it's starting to like reverse itself where they had every wrestler of prominence they wanted almost, you know? And now it's slowly more and more names are coming, are coming free. So we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. So apparently, you know, Drew asked for a raise WWE turned him down, and 
that that was kind of that. Drew was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll let my contract expire. I'm sure if this was three months ago, he he would have easily gotten <laughs> that raise. Like yeah. without a question, he would have gotten that <laughs> raise. Um, like you said, Drew, he's betting on himself here. Nobody's really running outside of AEW and WWE. So if he's going to, I, I don't know what his financial situation is like. I don't know yeah. how much he's made over the years, how much he's saved and stuff like that. But he's either going to sit on the sidelines for a bit, assuming he doesn't resign, or we could see him in AEW in the coming weeks, or he could resign because there's no independent run out there for Drew right now. And I think that's where most people would be like, all right, Drew would almost be like the Cassius Ono type where he would just go back to the independent scene, kill it with everybody on, on every single level. And then who knows where he'd end up after that. But that would seem to be where, where Drew would go under normal circumstances. Yeah, one thing that is interesting about him is that he's had a run in WWE that in time, if he never wrestled there again, okay, in time, he will be like sneaky great for people that rewatch this stuff whenever they whenever that happens. You know, when you see these Twitter threads, right, of people rewatching WWE 2002 or whatever, whenever the poor soul makes it to 2017, 18, 19, wherever he's been here for, and they stumble it. I can tell you, someone that covered 205 Live every week um, out of the mercy in my heart, Drew Gulak was extraordinary on that program. He was so great. Um, and... You know, he's come up here on the main roster. I guess 205 is the main roster, but you see my point. And initially it was like, oh, God, he's dead on SmackDown. You know, he's doing comedy heel gimmicks where he gets squashed. Daniel Bryan saves him, and they have one of my favorite WWE pay-per-view matches in a long time, a great SmackDown follow-up. He's had a good little run. It's a shame he didn't do more because he's an incredible talent. But I'm at least thankful, if he never wrestled there again, that he has some moments in WWE that I can look back on fondly as a fan of his, you know? What's your favorite Drew Gulak PowerPoint slide? Oh, I couldn't. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. Because, unfortunately, I missed a lot of his peak PowerPoint presentations. You know, because by the time I really dived into 205, he was doing, he was still doing the gimmick, but he was a bit more serious. He was doing pamphlets, not PowerPoints. <laughs> right? But one thing I did want to ask you, okay, we're, we're big sports guys, aren't we, Jeremy? Big time sports guys. Everyone that's left WWE in the last, what, month now, I guess? What would your big board look like? You're starting a promotion. Jeremy Lambert promotions tomorrow. You're opening up. Who on that list that's just been released or let go or opted not to re-sign are you looking at taking first? I'm probably taking Rusev first um, off the top of my head. I, I can't remember like every single release. Yes. Uh, but off the top of my head, it would probably be Rusev because you can do heel, baby face, good wrestler, charismatic. A guy who, I mean, he's got his own, like, Twitch stream and stuff. Like, he knows how to promote himself as yeah. well. So th- there's just a lot of things you can do with, with Rusev, not only in the ring or on screen, but off screen as well. I agree. I have the same top name. I would say, though, that perhaps Gulak is second on that. I would think. I'm not sure. I'm I'm with you. Before I, I <laughs> phrase this question, I did not know the names. I would say... If Carl Anderson is going to stay with Gallows as a team, I'd say Gulak is the second is the second name on the on the board. But it is an interesting time. Look, I'm I'm way optimistic here, and I'm just looking at the inevitable. I shouldn't say inevitable. I'm looking at the hopeful picture of when everything's back to normal in however long that is. I would like to see all these guys spread out. I'm not. I must admit, I'm not one of these uh, folks that, and I understand why they say it. But I'm not one of these people that's like, AEW needs to sign every one of these. Definitely not what what I'd like to see here, you know? Spread it out a little bit. I think there's a lot of great talent. I'm interested to see what almost all of them do, too, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would have maybe Leo Rush in my top Mm. three. Zack Ryder would be there as well. Because, again, I'm thinking, like, not just in-ring stuff, but also stuff you can do, like, outside of the ring. Like, Ryder is big on social media like the promotion alone uh is worth it for for zach Ryder. uh gulak would be in my top five though he he would be in my top five those are kind of my top i guess i named four people and then anderson and gallows if they're sticking together or in there as well well yeah i guess it also depends on what you have right like if you're aw with gallows and anderson it's like you have a clear program with the bucks and that whole weird dynamic with bullet club and the Whereas 
you know, they might not have an easy fit with one of the guys, but if you're brand new, then I'm with you. Like a Leo Rush and Zack Ryder, for different reasons, can be super great from a marketing point of view. Leo Rush has like a raw charisma and personality that he's actually pretty special, I think. And you combine it with his, his in-ring, his promos, he's pretty uh, spectacular talent, but you're right. Ryder is like... He, it's, it's weird that we all see him as WWE lifer for so long, but when you now look at the picture, it's like, man, Zach's been preparing for this moment for years now, hasn't he? He's, he's built like his whole yeah. uh, his army base for this moment. So good for him. It'll be interesting to see where everyone winds up, definitely. I, I'm with you. I hope it is spread out. Like, I don't want just everybody going to AEW. Yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen because I think AEW realizes we can't just sign everybody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've got to have... You know, we got to take care of our own guys that we've been promising big spots to and yeah. whatnot. So uh, I think it will be spread out once everything resumes, whenever that is, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, but to transition from Gulak into what he just did, he lost on the first round to Daniel Bryan at the Intercontinental Title Tournament. We got the brackets for the tournament. It's uh, Bryan and Gulak. King Corbin and Elias, and Elias was victorious in that match. Sheamus and Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. One of these men will be the uh, new Intercontinental Champion. Joe, thoughts on the, the tournament and the pairings? I mean, it's a pretty cool bracket. I, if my one gripe is, and I, I know you're a Shinsuke guy, I am too, but I would if I'm going to bring AJ Styles cross brand for one of his illustrious four appearances <laughs> on SmackDown... I would rather him not wrestle someone that he what he wrestled like ten times straight on pay per view. Now, granted, it wasn't ten, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I was informed uh, last week, Jeremy, that he has not really wrestled Cesaro in WWE, and I find that the idea that you have so many good wrestlers and you never once stop and just go, why don't we do Cesaro and AJ on television for 15 minutes? No idea how that happened, but I would have rather that. That would have made it a little bit more fun for me. But it's a cool bracket, um, great lineup of talent. I'm looking at. I want to, can you circle back for him in a minute for Baron Corbin? We need to talk about King Corbin. What is going on with King Corbin? I have no do idea. We? But my, do yeah, we? Yeah, I, I want it. I okay. made a point of it. I want to do it, okay? <laughs> Just allow me to go on. But firstly, who's going to win it? I think this is a perfect time to have Daniel Bryan do like the John Cena US title tour of good matches, is what I would assume we're going to get. And I'm all in on that. I think that's the best call. I don't know if that's what they're going to go with because <laughs> Sheamus has like always wanted the Intercontinental title. And I could just see them just giving Sheamus the belt just to kind of do it. The The other thing is, like, they're telling this Jeff Hardy redemption story. And if, is Jeff Hardy just going to lose in the first round to Sheamus? I, I kind of feel like the winner of that match is going to end up as the champion. See, I thought my just assumption was that Sheamus would beat Jeff by nefarious means, like a grabs the tights or some deal. And then Jeff would cost Sheamus against Daniel Bryan, who is wrestling next, right? That's the Neston bracket, yes. I think. Yeah. That was my just pure like WWE booking assumption where no one actually wins, loses, or does anything of no. <laughs> and just carried on a feud with that. I mean, I'm with you. The sh- I didn't think of the Sheamus thing. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Shame. I can't really, I can't really knock Sheamus getting like a thank you title you know like he's been there for a very long time as the exact same character so good on him <laughs> um, am i allowed to talk about king corbin now Jeremy? sure you can talk about king corbin are they doing like a like like break down king corbin and then we'll rebuild him thing or is are they just decided he doesn't win wrestling matches but i have to still watch them i have no idea what's going on can you explain to me why he lost to elias four days before he's going to main event raw against the best wrestler in wwe supposedly you know <laughs> First off, you're asking what WWE is doing, and yes. I don't think anyone has an answer to that. I have I have no idea. When I saw him lose to Elias, I was stunned. Like, literally, <laughs> moments before, I don't get stunned by a lot of things in wrestling. This genuinely shocked me. Like, yes. moments before this, we were talking in the chat and, uh, you know, calling stories and whatnot, and, and Sean was like, yeah, Elias hasn't lost since, like, September or something since like the King of the Ring tournament. I was like, okay, but how many matches has he has he had since then? And it's like five matches or something because he was wow. injured and like he just never wrestles and whatnot. I was like, ah, oh, well, he's gonna lose here because I just assumed you're not beating this dude just a few days before you're gonna have him wrestle Drew McIntyre on Raw. That doesn't make any sense to me. 
And then they just beat the dude four days before he's supposed to wrestle Drew McIntyre on Raw. And I'm just like, what is this? Look, wins and losses don't matter in WWE. They've made this perfectly clear a million times. But, like, this is why no one actually gets over to to any type of a level. And and we're going to talk about NXT later, and we'll talk about it more there. But, like, this is why, is because he just loses, and then it's still, A, face Drew McIntyre. And theoretically, if he beats Drew McIntyre, he would have gotten a title shot, right? But, I mean, he lost, of course, but it's just, I don't get it. I don't know what they're... I don't think they have plans. I don't think they have plans, Joe. Am I ruling, sir? So you said Elias hasn't lost since like September. You said right. Yeah, so his Elias... last his last loss was the the Intercontinental Title Tournament. Okay, so so Elias won at WrestleMania against Corbin, and then he won again here. That's yeah. that seems like I would have rather day fifty fifty in that. I want to make this clear: anyone who's getting mad right now because we're whining about Baron Corbin's booking. <laughs> I am. I like Baron Corbin. I have no issue with him losing every match ever. My my issue is, if you do this and then continue to present him as a big deal, I will get very very frustrated because <laughs> I I haven't understood. Like, look, if if this was just a matter of taping and that match was supposed to air this Friday, like it isn't much better. But I okay, fine, whatever. But even a couple weeks, you send King Corbin out to cut a ten minute in ring promo. I may, dare I say it, Jeremy, I may ban SmackDown <laughs> from this podcast, okay? It is already banned in many ways. We never talk about it. But still, I can't deal with it. Either make him a top guy or do what you probably should have done a long time ago and just have him in the middle. Do one or the other. I completely, let me correct myself because if nothing else, we are, we are accurate on this show. Uh, Elias did not actually lose in the King of the Ring title tournament. He got an injury. His last loss was August 12th, 2019 to wow. Ricochet on Raw in a three-minute match, and that completely propelled Ricochet into superstardom. It sure did. I, <laughs> I remember it fondly. I often look back on it. We're actually going to do, on the year anniversary when it comes around, we're going to do a big celebration for that one. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I haven't got a problem with Elias. I also feel like he is very much handicapped by the fact that, like, as a babyface, the one thing that helps him is the audience, for some reason, does cheer everything he does and says. Without that, try, it's tough. I understand that. I get it. It's a tough gimmick. But it just seemed like such an easy moment to have Corbin win. Because I guess maybe the logic was Shin and AJ are both heels. But then again, if they're both heels, why are they wrestling? Anyway, move on. I, don't, I have nothing else to say. I, I don't know why we're even discussing this. I think Ryan's going to win. I hope he does. You're probably right about Sheamus. The logic should have been that just air the match this week. Why'd you air yes. it? Why'd you air it the day, a few days before he's about to face Drew McIntyre? There's nothing yeah. preventing you from airing this match. I, I don't know, unless they didn't. I I have no idea. I have no idea. What was Joe. the SmackDown main event, Jeremy? Um, God, I don't recall. <laughs> oh, it was it was a Joe Holbert special. It was uh, Miz and Morrison against uh, Braun and and Tucker or not, Otis. That guy. Okay, so wouldn't it have been better if... Yeah, Tucker, good joke. <laughs> uh, wouldn't it have been better if they'd have done, like, big announcement, AJ Styles is here, and he main evented last SmackDown. You have the Baron... You have the Braun and Otis thing in the middle. Because this SmackDown's pretty loaded as is, right? You have Charlotte and Bailey. You have the mixed tag they've been building to for 25 years. You, and Shin and AJ's not even needed on this Friday. We're yeah. now formatting SmackDown. This feels like the worst move we've ever done on the program, <laughs> but I am legitimately somewhat frustrated about this because I watch SmackDown now. I don't even pretend anymore. I actually watch the program. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply 
And they're doing this to me. Anyway, proceed with the rest of our wonderful topics of professional wrestling. <laughs> we're going to ban SmackDown, and pretty we soon are. we're just not even going to have a wrestling show. <laughs> like... True. Yes, and it'll be the best show we ever did. It really will. Uh, going back to Raw and Drew McIntyre beating King Corbin, there were some matches announced for Backlash. Two matches, at least two, two of the biggest matches of all time. We have a WWE Championship match. This is a complete Joel Holbert special. Yes. I will let you take your victory lap on this one. But we've got Drew McIntyre defending against Bobby Lashley. And then the other match is being billed as the greatest pro wrestling match of all time. Edge against Randy Orton. Joe, I know you're excited for both of these matches for various reasons. I mean, I wouldn't get carried away. But I will say <laughs> that the WWE title match for this event is a moment that in my life, I will mark down as a victory, as a as a um, an achievement, so to speak. I will add it to my resume as a victory um, because on the date of which this show will take place, WWE Backlash, Jeremy, Drew McIntyre will walk the King's Road. He will meet the the master of strong style, the uh, the expert of martial arts attacks. He will meet. The dominator, Bobby Lashley, who is armed now with an actual professional wrestling manager that can speak for him and not just shout and get her lines wrong. Bobby Lashley <laughs> becomes WWE champion at Backlash on that date, I don't know, in two minutes. That's my <laughs> prediction. Carry on with this wrestling talk. I'm just telling you now, he's going to shoot on him. Be ready. He's going to shoot on him. <laughs> uh, so. I think you're wrong. I would. I think it'd be great, but I think you're wrong. Uh, it, you know what? Forget it. Bobby Lashley should just shoot on Drew McIntyre and yes. just win the title and just hold it hostage and go to UFC the next day. They're all running in the same uh, vicinity anyway. Go to UFC the next day. Call out uh, Francis and Ganu and. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of that suggestion. Come on, Big no, Bob. Maybe a step far. You don't maybe think Big, you don't think Big Bob could beat Francis Ngannou? I mean, <laughs> look. In fairness, like he may be a takedown away, but I just fear what happens as he tries to make that takedown. That's all. That's my only concern, you know. But yeah, like, I'm, I'm with. In all seriousness, how great has MVP been on Monday Night Raw? What an awesome. Um, ray of light he has been on on the show of darkness that takes place on Mondays. <laughs> this is why I wanted MVP in TEW, and you refused to trade yes. him, and now you're doing amazing things with him in the series. False. I did not refuse to trade him. I asked for the Undertaker <laughs> in, in response. So that's not true. It's factually wrong. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He's He's been great. Um, and I'm actually, in all serious, I'm glad they're doing stuff with Lashley. I hope it isn't done when this match is done, so I'll be very disappointed when that happens. But there's there's legs in a Lashley uh, top guy, right? It doesn't mean he has to win the title, but, man, Bobby Lashley looks like a, like a comic book character, and he can have actual good matches, like real good matches in real life. So do something with a man. He's tremendous. I love Bobby Lashley. He's going to lose to Drew McIntyre and never be heard from again. <laughs> That feels too far. But, you know, I'm, I understand what you're saying. Now, what about the greatest wrestling match of all time, though, Jeremy? On the other you know, hand, what a Matt Classic. No shooting on each other in the Edge and Randy Orton match, right? This is going to be a Matt Classic. Yeah, they had their fight. Like, that was a legit shoot fight that just went on 40 minutes. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a real fight, Joe, but they go on for 40 minutes all the time. And I was told, yeah. yeah, a lot of walking involved and a lot of talking. Um, but now they're just going to have an amateur wrestling match. And that's what the crowd that isn't there really wants to see between Edge and Randy Orton. I like that they've yeah. leaned into this totally. And they're just like, <laughs> I feel like this was a, a, um, a misquote by Charlie Caruso when she's just like the greatest professional wrestling match of all time. I don't know why she said it. It probably was fed to her, but I'm going to pretend it's a misquote. And then they're like, well, she said it. May as well just go all in with it. Yeah, uh, just a quick thing. I remember you know, in my youth uh, when there would be a fight that broke out. We, everyone would kind of hover around the fight. Remember those days? Like, yes. imagine how tough it had been to follow the Edge and Randy Orton bout. Like, just groups of people <laughs> just walking alongside him as, as Edge drags him and talks trash. Look, this is, this feud is, um, and I say this as someone that loved it initially. I have no idea what these men are even fighting about. 
Like Edge just did the same grit promo again this week. And about the <laughs> Loves that that word. He doesn't have, yeah, he doesn't have any grit and he's all talent. And I'm like, I know. Like you fought each other about this and you nearly killed him. I understand all of this. Like you don't need to retell me it. I kind of here's my pitch. I said this I think on TW, which will air in 19 years. Um, a couple years ago, ready? We're gonna go back to Corbin now. A couple years ago, they did the angle with Dolph and Corbin. I'm about to actually do this on the show, by the way. I'm about to cite a Baron Corbin Dolph Ziggler feud. It's about I have to happen. No recollection of this at okay. all. So I'm glad. I'm so glad Dolph, you're gonna give me this. Being a shooter, Dolph did this whole deal about, but you couldn't beat me in an amateur wrestling match, Baron. You couldn't do it. I'm a shooter, okay. And he had, like, you know, the headgear on and all that business, and he was, you know, he was ready to go in the amateurist, and then the bell rung, and he just immediately kicked Corbin in the dick. Immediately <laughs> at the bell. And it was great, and it's totally forgotten because they wrestled another 90 times, and nothing came of it. Imagine if Orton does that, and then he, and then he like, just assaults Randy with chairs, and Edge with chairs and stuff after just immediately kicking him in the dick. That is possibly the only way I'll leave this happy, I think. Which is, like, a big ask, I understand that. But that's what I want from this. That is... 100% better than what they'll actually do, which is a, a 30 minute technically sound three star they special. They can't actually do it. They, there's no way they can actually go out there expecting they're going to have like a group. They can't do this. It's an Joe, empty ring with two older men. Joe, they are building this as the greatest pro wrestling match of all time. When they put this label on something, when do they not deliver? True. I mean, here's the, probably the funniest part of all of it is like Edge and Randy were great professional wrestlers. I mean, Edge is too early for me to say he's still one. I, you know, we've seen so little and what he had. That was a tough set of cards. He was dealt with WrestleMania. I get it. But great professional wrestlers in the traditional sense that they can like control a crowd and you know capture their imagination, having them pop on the finish. They are not like the traditional like. You know, best match of the night, guys, where they they do those like um, Jerry Lim, Rob Van Dam sequences where you stare at each other after <laughs> everyone claps. Like that's not really their style, uh, which isn't a problem. I just, as one of the biggest Randy Orton fans in the world, I never thought his gimmick would be. But I am a great wrestler, and you can beat me in a pure wrestling match. But like, I don't know if that's his thing. But look, feel free. It's made me laugh a couple times. Do you think they're gonna shake hands before the match? Uh, uh, have honor. the code of honor? Yeah. Um. See, now that would be it. Imagine Randy agrees to the Code of Honor and then kicks him in the dick immediately <laughs> after. That would be so great. Sure, man. Dude, look, just honestly, I've said this to you off air. At this point in the game, this deep into the empty arena shows, just make me laugh. And if even if you're not intending to and you think you're doing something good, if it makes me laugh, I can only be so critical. So if they actually have a 30-minute professional wrestling match with holds and a lot, and they're, they're you know, reversing each other and sequences in an empty arena... I will find some kind of perverse enjoyment out of it. So feel free, guys. I say thumbs up on, on the whole uh, project. I can't believe we're doing this match again, but that's backlash for you, Jeremy. Coming <laughs> soon on a date I still don't know. <laughs> when you mentioned RVD and Jerry Lynn, now I just want like uh, Randy Orton to go for a leg sweep and Edge to jump <laughs> over and do that all. I want that sequence now in this match. And then, yeah, the standoff at the end. And then I don't know who's clapping. The ref, the ref can just applaud that they were able to do this. They did it in one of the I can't remember if it was the Kushida match or the Tazawa one. One of the NXT matches, the cruiserweight ones, they did like a spot where they did like the quick exchange and they stared at each other <laughs> and there was just no noise. And I was like, wow, that was I mean, what a move that was. A lot of confidence in yourself there running that spot that's purely designed for the audience and there is not one in sight. Amazing. Joe, you don't know when Backlash is, and I'm not going to tell you, but <laughs> there is a, a pay-per-view before Backlash, a WWE pay-per-view. It's called NXT TakeOver In Your House. It is yes. June 7th, and we're on the countdown on the distraction to banning NXT. There's three weeks left of NXT talk, ladies and gentlemen. So if you, if you missed the show last week, go back, watch the product. If NXT does not give us the the house setup on the ring entrance we're completely banning nxt talk from this program and we're fairly confident they're not going to do this because they've given us no reason to think they will um it, you know if they surprise us and actually do this you know what they deserve to be talked about but we're fairly confident it's not going to happen that's why we're ready to ban them from this program three weeks left of nxt talk joe did you watch the show last night and if you did what'd you think of it you know I did, and you, you know this is going to be a traumatic experience for me. For fans of the podcast, do you remember when 
Jeremy shared the information that he watched Stuber with his mother, and as a family <laughs> event, his mother was tuning into Stuber for the product. I mean, it wasn't really for the product, but still, it was good. It was good content. Well, folks, in the ongoing um, uh, des- desperation to make sure that no other normal human watches wrestling while you're in the room, uh, I indeed tuned into the vanity brand that is NXT on the the quick path, the short shortcut to banning with my mother. Uh, I watched this program with for 30 minutes. And I will tell you, I have experienced some discomfort in my life. I have sweat profusely before. It's very hot here right now. This was an experience. I honestly think we need to have a serious discussion about, not NXT, I don't want to talk about NXT, now that I think about it. Have we, and now me and you, Jeremy, we don't like NXT arena shows. We do not like them. But have we watched enough of them where we've convinced ourselves that this is actually watchable television? Because let me tell you something. That empty silence as men go through sequences while Moro shouts at random times, <laughs> it is a tough watch with normal people. I've got to warn anyone, if you're thinking about doing it, do not do it. Watch it on your own and feel bad about it. That's what I do. I, I've told you, for people who are going to listen to the and watch the TEW series, I feel like all of that's taking place in an empty arena. Like That's just what I feel like is normal to me, is everything yeah. is empty arena nowadays i don't remember what crowds look like and sound like even if i go back and watch stuff on the network i'm just like yeah this is like prehistoric times here um so yeah i think we've just become desensitized to it yeah i would imagine if you did try to watch this with someone who hasn't been watching this for two months they would think it's the dumbest thing ever especially especially nxt because last night's show it opened with the Killer Cross thing, Carrion Cross. Sorry, it opened with the Carrion Cross thing, and I can't imagine showing this to someone who is a like less than casual wrestling fan and being like, "This is what I do for a living. I, I watch yes. this show." Yeah, I mean, I should always make clear like not all good wrestling is um, appealing to normal folks. Like that's not a good, you know. Sometimes a lot of my favorite stuff normal people would not like. I get that, guys, but. NXT is a really weird show in that, like, it's still produced like WWE because, like, the promos are still very kind of WWE-ish, you know, and, like, they still have the, uh, they haven't really changed their presentation at all in the empty building, which remains hilarious to me. (laughs) But it's like WWE but with less personality and it's, like, it's drier than normal WWE. I don't think NXT was always this way, but am I missing something? Is that what it kind of, like when Johnny was doing his heel promo? I was like, man, this is this is like watching a Bailey promo from a couple months ago, but less fun, you know. And that's a real, I mean, that's a that's a knock from me. That's a big critique by me. So I don't know what's going on, Jeremy, and maybe I've just banned it internally already. I just think the show sucks. I really do. <laughs> I messaged you uh, last night and I said, Joseph, they had an actual tank on NXT. Because everyone knows the the bit about the DX tank. Shotzi Blackheart had like a legitimate tank that somebody else was driving. And I could not believe this. And your reply was, I know it sucked. (laughs) And you said you were watching it and you were embarrassed by it. You turned the show. I didn't see. I didn't realize you were watching live because usually you don't watch these shows live. So I had no idea you were watching this live. And so I was actually just uh, amazed that you replied and you're like, yeah, I actually saw this. (laughs) Well, here's the bit. I I like that segment like in a vacuum as a wacky wrestling vignette. It was fun. But it just with the way that she was delivering her dialogue. Going from that back to, like, Timothy Thatcher standing with, like, a brick wall behind him, and you're like, anyway, anyway, Matt Riddle, I'm going to get you. It's like, jeez, man, like, this this show doesn't know what it wants to be. It's not serious, but it's not funny. It has a lot of characters that are not particularly, like, outlandish or entertaining, and, like, some characters are to the max. Like, when I was watching Dexter Loomis versus Roderick Strong this morning on delay, I was just like, I don't even know what this program is anymore. Dexter Loomis is apparently like a top guy. I don't know if this is a thing that I... I must have missed this. Yeah, that, been out. that came out of nowhere. Yes. It just, <laughs> it just popped it. up. Because, now, again, maybe I'm way off here. So, and this is not knocking the guy involved here, but Dexter Loomis was Sam Shaw, correct? Yes. 
And Sam Shaw did this gimmick in TNA to an extent. To some extent, he did like the serial killer weird deal, right? Yeah. When, where was the bridge from that gimmick, which I believe he did in a program with Mr. Kennedy slash Anderson, where was the bridge from that to him being a top star on the very edgy, very cool, <laughs> hip brand that is NXT? This is what I want to know. Well, he's a top star, then he just lost to Roderick Strong last night. <laughs> Hey, look, I'm not complaining about that. Listen, I, I'll i complain about many things. Roderick Strong beating Dexter Loomis was a rare, like, okay, both thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That was what that was. So the show's weird. I actually feel like the banning bit is hilarious, and I am fully intending to ban it. Like, this is not a bit, guys. I said a bit there, but it will be banned. It will be actually banned if this happens. However, I feel bad talking about this program because a lot of my pals love it, and I just can't, I can't get into it, Jeremy. I don't know what it is. I think the issue uh, when we actually do ban this program is that it's going to be one less show we have to to watch Charlotte Flair, who stood tall at the end of NXT last night, made everybody bow down, because that's what you have to do to the queen. Yes, hashtag bow down. It it was the same gimmick of, it's a number one contenders match, let me interfere, it's going to set up a triple threat match, I'm sure, like, but you got to get the queen, got to get the queen over it. They, They don't know how... They don't know how to book, Joe. Like, a DQ finish in this main event, this whole Ripley-Charlotte storyline, like, none of it feels good. None of it feels good. Does anybody think this stuff is good? Please let us know. Use hashtag the distraction, trending worldwide, number one right now. Yeah, because, so firstly, I want to say that for the obvious finish that everyone in the world had predicted, um, I legitimately am concerned for Charlotte Flair. And I know that people are laughing and think I'm doing a joke. I'm not. Like I think they're doing very, very like a ton of damage to her here and they don't even know they're doing it. They're just like they're getting her under by having a go over everyone. And it's very scary because I have no idea what you do over when this ends. I don't know. Um Rhea Ripley, I wanna say after watching her match uh, yesterday, if they do not make like a lot of money with Rhea Ripley, I mean file that one in the the ultimate mess cabinet right and they've already made some errors i mean this whole angle where she's like yeah i tapped out and quit and lost clean but i'll get her (laughs) next time that ain't good in itself but man she's so good for for where she's at in the industry um obviously shirai's amazing everyone knew that right so i i think the match will be great i just am in absolute terror at the idea that one of these women is going to win the title by pinning the other nxt woman and, like, Charlotte just leaves NXT without putting anyone over. That would be worst case. She's got to at least lose to someone, right? She was on Raw on Monday, wasn't she, Charlotte? Yeah, she beat Ruby. Oh, that's right. Ruby got over, though. Big things in store for Ruby by having a competitive match with the Queen, 100%. So um, that's a true stat, that Ruby Wright has not won a match since returning. Because yeah. if so, my lord, that is very, very, that's very mean. Charlotte Flair is legitimately going to be on every WWE program this week. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know. It's crazy. I, I I know that everyone loves hating Charlotte and being mean about her. And that's, look, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm mean about a lot of people. Clearly, that's what this program is built on, Jeremy. <laughs> but at the same time, I legit wonder, like, I like Charlotte. And you like her a lot more than me. And I think we're both at the point where we're like, oh, my God. I don't know where, I don't know where this goes. What's left for her after this? You've run everything. You've exhausted every avenue. I don't know what you do after this ends. Hashtag bow down, Joseph. Yes. <laughs> Final topic of the day, AEW Double or Nothing is this Saturday in the empty Daly's Place and I guess the, the football stadium as well. Um, I'm not going to run down the whole card, but Joe, what are you looking forward to on this show? Hmm. Um, <laughs> this is why I didn't run down the whole card. The stadium stampede will be a lot of fun. I think I said last week that I feel like I've seen... Like, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to doubt their creativity, but I guess when you've seen the street fight they already did, it's like, well, I mean, you know, how much more can it be? It's probably going to be a lot of silliness, but I think I'll, I'll have fun with it. Um, I'm interested in the booking of Brody Lee and John Moxley. I'm not sure I'm interested in the match because I, I just haven't got it. I haven't connected yet with the Brody character. And in fact, worst of all, and this is actually kind of bumming me out, it's like I'm getting less interested in it each time I see him which is not ideal because I was really rooting for him. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the TNT deal is like, it just feels like an absolute lock to me that Tyson hits Archer. 
I, I don't know. I really have nothing that stands out. I'm sure it'll be fun. I've enjoyed the AEW shows generally uh, more than WWE ones because of the insane, like, everyone sitting right next to each other deal. But uh, it has been, I would say, a pretty weak promotion, all things considered. Would you not agree? Like, it doesn't feel like there's a big event taking place on Saturday. The card is fine. It's definitely, um, obviously, circumstances haven't helped, but it isn't one that I'm like, I can't wait to see double or nothing out. Yeah, nothing feels like a big event nowadays. I mean, even yes. WrestleMania didn't feel like WrestleMania. So, double or nothing, it certainly doesn't feel like the one-year anniversary of technically AEW's first show. Sure. Um, like, it doesn't feel like that at all. The, I'm looking forward to the stadium stampede. My issue with that is production. You've got ten guys, so you can pair off into fives. How are you shooting all that? We're we gonna get like the box on the box. Remember, uh, it, it was like a WCW show. I think it was uncensored. It was like Sting and uh, Road Warrior Hawk against Harlem Heat, and they did like the box and box deal yes. because uh, two were fighting up the ramp, and the other two were fighting like ringside. Like you, you can have a lot of pairings here, and it's a it's a football stadium. You're not all gonna be in the same spot in this football stadium. I wouldn't imagine. So do you not think they're going to go hashtag cinematic with this? Oh, no, I don't I don't think they're going cinematic. I think it's going to mm. be like a, a brawl type deal because this show is live. I, I don't think they're doing cinematic. Hang on a second. Hang on, Jeremy. Go back. <laughs> rewind. You mean to tell me that some kind of carny, some kind of criminal is putting on a wrestling show in 2020 and the main event is an actual professional wrestling match <laughs> that is not, in fact, cinematic? What are we doing here? Huh? What is this, a studio show from the 80s? My God, I'm disgusted. <laughs> I I don't think they're going to do cinematic. I think they're going right. to brawl over the football stadium. And I don't know how much you're going to really get out of that, but it's a giant field. You can have it different is. props and stuff, you know? I think you can you can certainly do something with it. I just don't know production wise how they're gonna like shoot it all and not miss anything. Especially if if it's not cinematic and like if it is live, they're gonna miss some stuff in this match. A lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. what is interesting? It will provide an, a fascinating case study because I don't know if you know this, Jeremy, but Joe Rogan has suggested for a long time that this is what the UFC should be. It should cover. It should be a full pitch length. He doesn't believe that fighting should be restrained to a small area. So in that sense, imagine the Judas effect that Jericho will be able to wind up <laughs> on a full football field. Like imagine Chris just on one end, just spinning around, round and round and round. Imagine <laughs> that's, the that's momentum. exactly what I imagined when you said that. Good, good. I, I'm sure you was on the same wavelength, but I was just explaining to the audience just so they could see it visually, you know. I want a Lufa cameo. Uh, in fact, yes. I'll be demanding um, not a refund. I want actual pay, like full payback, like not just a refund. Give me their money on top of my refund if I don't get Luther. Because to me, he is AEW, and I've made that pretty clear on this podcast. But yeah, I want look at the end of the day, it's a ten man fight across an empty stadium. This is a case where I will, in fact, um, just allow them to do absurd stuff. They've already shown me what they're probably going to do with the with the uh, Sammy Guevara being just run over, which is a pretty. Uh, bold route to do it on a TV match without it being a finish for any kind, which is amazing. I'm all for it. They're going to do some ridiculous stuff. Omega's going to jump off loads of things. Bucks will do the same. Cody will probably do like a blade job in the corner of the field and just sit there selling. Um, Cody's not, Cody's after, not Yeah, after Cody's he wins the TNT title. Yeah. I, I actually think that'd be great. He wins the TNT title and then just comes out. Hang on, who's and, in this match? Oh, uh, Matt Hardy. Yeah, the, the very layered Matt Hardy. Sorry, I, I forgot that the uh, the elite is now Matt Hardy involved. Yes, I'm I'm fine with all this. It'll be fun. Um, Lance Archer and Cody. What's going to be the main event of this show? Lance and Cody, do you think? I thought it was going to be the stadium series or stadium 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 series. Yeah, oh my God, that's what they call um, it in uh, that's what they call it in hockey when they do the outdoor games. They call it the stadium okay. series. Uh, I thought it was going to be the the stadium stampede. Yeah, I. I don't know if you can headline with, with Moxley and Brody Lee. I mean, maybe because it's an empty arena show. Yeah, like, in front of a, Yeah, in front of a live crowd, I don't think it works. Um, Cody and Archer is, is certainly a good pick. I could I could see that happening, especially. But if Tyson's not knocking anybody out and he's just going to, like, award the belt to Cody and, like, that's 
the end of it. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Tyson's doing something because Jake, Jake said, um, what did he say? He was like, I want, I'll put him down one way or another, but I want Archer to get his hands on him first. I was like, what is going on? I don't even know what Mike's doing here. Now. He's turned up to have a fight with Lance Archer. <laughs> I have no clue. Um, I'm interested in this purely to just see how they deal with certain things. The main one in that regard being, I can't imagine Brody Lee's winning this match. But if they do, man, it's going to be very interesting, right? That'll be a true, like, show of faith out of nowhere almost. So I'm interested in that point of view. I'm sure it'll be fun and entertaining for what it is, but it doesn't feel like the pay-per-view events that you've kind of come to expect from AEW. And why would it? I guess, right? That makes sense when you think about it. I think I speak for Joseph as well. We we hope that uh, the GOAT, Britt Baker is okay after Wednesday. Yes. It's very possible by the time you listen to this that she will be announced as, as not competing against Chris Statlander because that uh that leg injury did not look good. No, the the uh the women's matches are like I don't know if um they need some simplifying instruction. I don't mean that to sound like in a kind of ignorant way, but I just don't know if all of the women are like um experienced enough to do some of the stuff they're doing. Not that looked like a simple mistake, but there have been some moments, right? Like, we spoke about the four-way last week, and I think we was we just kind of said, you know, some sloppiness. Um, but, like, I remember Penelope did, like, the Poison Rana deal, and it was just, it could have gone in so many ways wrong, you know, and it, it did go wrong. So, it's a bummer. It sucks. Britt Baker's so tremendous on AEW. It would be such a shame if she's out for, for you know, a prolonged period of time. But I don't know if perhaps agent-in-wise it could be tightened up a little bit. I guess is my suggestion. Yeah. Um, we will see. Double or Nothing is this Saturday. And again, Fightful will have coverage. Sean will be doing a, a post-interview. Uh, I think the prediction show. Um, they already did the prediction on the Wednesday Night War podcast. But they, uh, if you just want the predictions, that'll be up uh, on the site later today. Joseph, I believe that is everything. Those are our six topics. These six topics that made the cut this week. Again, we left a lot on the cutting room floor for this one. Very long production meeting. Uh, but but those were the six topics that we felt. This is, this is our strongest six topics for the go-home show. We got to close this show with like a wild brawl because that's how AEW closes every single go-home show. Literally. They've had three go-home shows, Joe. Every single one. This This upsets me, by the way, if you can't tell. Every single one has been closed with just this multi-man brawl. Come yes. up with something else, please. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, but you're right. You know, we had to choose the right things. We take our go-home shows a lot more seriously than they do. Yes. And we, you know, we really try to prioritize the big topics. We had to leave again, unfortunately, folks. The Iconics have remained <laughs> on the cutting room floor again. Um, I'm fighting for them every week. Guys, listen, look at me here. Don't look at Jeremy. I can't see what he's doing. He may be making a four of me. But just listen, every week I come in the office here and I say to him, I say, listen, we need to talk Iconics. And he says, no, not yet, not yet. He wants to wait until the triumphant uh, title win, uh, which they'll be hanging from the rafters for, I'm, I'm sure. So we'll get there, Iconics fans, I promise, we will. <laughs> uh, Joe is definitely fighting for the Iconics. If you do want to see the triumphant return of the Iconics and, and their, uh, spoiler alert, uh, women's tag team title victory. Joe has both the Iconics. I think we actually only have one. The other, we left down in NXT <laughs> in, in the TEW series. New episode of the TEW series. Episode two is uh, out on Saturday morning and then, or Saturday afternoon. I think we bumped it to, we bumped it to the prime, like 11 o'clock spot. Wow. Yeah. That's like, moving up. It's doing, it's doing big numbers on Saturday. People are loving the TEW series. Uh, we're doing another long booking session, I believe, tomorrow, which will be a lot of fun. Folks, we have six weeks and two pay-per-views in the can to, to release. We have plenty of content. And as, as Joe said on Tuesday, we deserve some type of an award. Congratulations. Uh, adulation, money, whatever you want to give us on, on Twitter for, for doing this much content with the TEW series, we'll take it all. Um, yes. Yes, we will. All of them. <laughs> Every bit. Especially the money part. We'll take that. We sure will. 
Uh, check that out on Saturday. Tuesday, we just reviewed the Marine 6. Uh, skip to about the 30-minute mark. Skip the review of uh, the Marine 6. Jump right into our discussion of uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Wesley Blake because that was the actual uh, good content on, on Tuesday's show because the Marine 6 wasn't a good movie. We talk about how Shawn Michaels has completely ruined the business, though. People blame the Young Bucks. No, it's actually all Shawn Michaels' fault. Well, clearly, I mean, we're going to ban NXT because of the man. So obviously, he's done some damage, right? We're actually going to remove it from our whole dialogue. That would be a that would be a real fall from grace. So yes, you're right. That was there was some uh, there was no comments positive on the Marine Six in my mentions, but there was some people having fun with the Shawn Michaels. I must say, the Wesley Blake campaign. Um, I may need to set a real hashtag that I can remember because it doesn't seem to be picking up. I've got to be honest, it doesn't seem to be picking up thus far. Talk to Seth. Talk to Seth. He put them over big on the <laughs> on the, the, the shooter show, WWE After the Bell. Joe, have you heard about this show, WWE After the Bell? So I haven't heard a lot about it, but someone told me they don't pull any punches on this show and, and it's, I apparently don't even know it happens at WWE. Like, so what I'm told is Corey Graves, he turns up the headquarters, he finds a tiny little room and he just, off the cuff, man, he'll just talk to these guys. Nothing's prepared, nothing is edited. Off the cuff, no punches pulled, an elite podcast, much better than our one, may I say, because we format this stuff. We prepare. We we uh, we make plans. They don't do any of that stuff. They just talk, and that's what I love about the industry. That's right. Uh, Seth Rollins is on that show putting over, jumping on the Joe Holbert, Wesley Blake bandwagon. Yes. Uh, so you might have to talk to Seth, get that hashtag going there. <laughs> I will not do that. Yes, I will not do it, but I like the idea. We'll be back next Thursday talking wrestling. The countdown is on. Two more weeks of NXT talk. If you love NXT, we will talk about it for two more weeks. Then it's banned. We'll have some double or nothing fallout. Maybe something will happen between now and then on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, who knows? Hopefully positive stuff only, especially after this week. Yes. Nothing but positive things uh, happening over the next week. We appreciate listening. Again, check out the TEW series. Oh, follow Joe on Twitter, at JoeHolbert5. New feature yes. is out tomorrow yes. at 7 a.m. Brody Lee. You can follow me on Twitter, at JeremyLambert88. Now, we will talk to everybody on Saturday with the TEW series. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.